Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Back for another week on Mox on the Mic, and we've got two great guests. Chattanooga recently had their Hall of Fame induction ceremonies uh, just a few weeks ago. We always like to shine the spotlight on some of those past athletes that made such a huge impact here at UTC, and we've got two of them on tap for today. Rosalinda Barron was a standout tennis player uh, at Chattanooga and has gone on and had a, a really wonderful career after college. We'll talk with her and learn exactly what all she has been up to since her time here at Chattanooga. And then a familiar name, a familiar voice to a lot of you that are Mox fans, Heath Esslinger, a local product came to Chattanooga, was an, a standout wrestler here, and then later become the Mox head wrestling coach. He is going to be with us today as well. We're going to start it off though. Rosalinda Barron, We'll talk with her about her fantastic tennis career at UTC, and that's how we start things here on Mox on the Mic. When did you first pick up a tennis racket? Oh, gosh. I was probably 10. Uh, my dad um, got me out on the court, and um, it started becoming, um, you know, I was playing more with my sister, actually. I went to high school and played in high school, but I also started playing um, in, with the USTA, and uh, I was started 12 and unders and then was ranked all the way up through. I actually went to UTC when I was 17. Um, I skipped my senior year. I was actually I was actually looking at colleges my junior year and went to UTC and um, they offered or Alice Tim offered me a scholarship. And I said, I'm not even a senior. I haven't even graduated yet. She said, well, you can only, I can only offer to you next year. I'm like, oh, okay. And my, you know, I was tracking, I mean, I'm of the Chrissy Everett era. So I was tracking to be, a, I wanted to be a pro tennis player if I could, if I could do it. And so the fastest, my parents aren't wealthy. Um, I had sponsors, but, you know, I didn't have anybody helping me. So I thought I've got to go to a college that has a really good tennis background on both Alice and Tim. Um, Allison, Bill, Tim, they both had, you know, been on the tour, they had a good record. And so I had to really think about it. And, um, well, interesting enough, I grew up in South Florida and Deerfield beach high that year, the education department said, you only had to have three English credits. And I was on an honor student and everything. So I said, well, why not? The scholarship is full scholarship. So I decided to go early um, and take the scholarship and, you know, work with Alice. And I have to tell you, she did whatever she could with whatever budget she had. We, we went in dorms so we could play. We were division two at the time. Um, we played all division one schools until state and nationals. Um, and then we I have to say the biggest thrill for me was when we drove and we played UT Knoxville and they flew in, we drove in a, like a station wagon and we walked, literally walked out with the trophy by one point, literally the third set five, four in the tiebreaker. And we walked out with the trophy. So um, I'll never, ever forget that. Even nationals is a little bit blurry, but to beat UT <laughs> K 
game was like the thrill of our lives. I mean, it was definitely a very close match. It could have gone either way. And, you know, but uh, no, I had a great experience. In fact, I saw all the colleges that I hadn't known about, you know, UNC, all of these Clemson, and we actually had a spring and a fall tour. So she, she stacked it so we could be competing at that level for a very long time. And so I really, really appreciated that. Um, and we, we had a very, um, I, I played six and then um, three doubles. Um, so, but our team was very close. I mean, there might've been the top two, but then, you know, after that, we were all really tight as far as either one of us on a good given day, we could probably beat each other, but so it was really fun. I went to play tennis. <laughs> I, I majored in broadcasting, <laughs> but um, so it was fun. It was, a, it was a good time. I, I was telling Tate, I couldn't, I thought this was a long time ago. This is like, I graduated in 81. So um, yeah. What was the transition like coming in at 17 years old? I'm ass uh, assuming maybe you'd been away from your parents before, but You'd probably never been away from them this far for this long at 17. What was that like? Uh, it was definitely a learning curve. I, it was, it was difficult. I, you know, I was like, wow, this, this is the real world. <laughs> You're out there. Um, yeah, it was different. It was very different. Um, I have, you know, strong faith. So I got connected to, you know, a group of people that, um, you know, that were strong. I had just become a believer at 16. And so I was new, you know, in that. And so I was trying to ground myself. Sue and I used to walk to the, I don't know if the church is still up the street on Vine Street, but there was a Presbyterian church. And so I tried to connect in that way, but it still was hard. It was a big adjustment for me. I look back on it now and I think maybe I should have waited a year. Um, but at the end of the day, I always believed that God has a plan, a purpose for your life. So you know, for me, that was, you know, it seemed to fit into, and my parents were okay with it. So, um, I went your, the, the relationship that you had with your, uh, your doubles partner in, uh, Dana, Dana yeah. report, uh, a little bit, uh, for about how you guys kind of complimented each other on the court. Um, she was, I'm a big servant volleyer, even though I said Christy Everett, I would never stay back. Um, so she had a great serve. I had a, I had a good serve, but we, we both were in tandem. We both, we both were in sync. Um, uh, she was, she was a really good player and I think we complimented each other. Um, I wouldn't say I was this, she was the steadier one. I think we both were aggressive. Um, and we actually won our title, our national title, um, division two title together. And we were the ones on the court when we beat UTK. So we, we kind of stayed together, um, through our career, through our career at UTC. So yeah, she was, she was a great, a great player. Tell me, tell us about coach Bill Tim. Ooh. You know, we, before we went to nationals, we had a choice to stay, um, and, and train with him and, or go home. And I chose to stay and train and we didn't even use our racket for like the first month. So <laughs> it was all, you know, physical getting in shape and a lot of mental, um, 
which I hadn't really had a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of positive thinking or whatever, but you know, you, he wants you raising your feet six inches off the ground and then saying, you know, what you, you know, visualizing, you know, seeing the ball over the net three feet, you know, or six feet and seeing it go in. And I think, I think sports are very um, uh, mental. I mean, I think at the end of the day, when I tried to make it to the pro tour, I could hit with these players that were 60 in the world. But when you get them in a match, they know they never lose the easy ones and they know they have another level that, you know, I wasn't really um, prepared for. So I built him was, you know, he was, he was a good coach. I mean, but it was a different um, Alice was just trying to build our ability to play against the people that we would, you know, and we had that level to the point when we went into our match, we were able to pretty much beat everybody um, at that at division two. So um, we still won matches at division one. So I'm not sure why the school was division two. It might have something to do with the conference because the guys were conference and we were division two. So I don't know the history of that, but the guys did well too. Um, but no, Alice, you know, and being a woman, it's different too. <laughs> guy. I don't know. I just, he was pretty strict. So all I could say in, in looking back on it, you were kind of a part of, of, I mean, that was really when tennis was at its, at its peak. Don't you think, especially you mentioned Chrissy Everett. I mean, you know, Billy Jean King was still going strong. And then on the men's side, that was kind of around the time, I guess, when John McEnroe really started to really started to take off and, and, you know, you're talking about a, a couple of athletes that all at different times kind of transcended the sport a little bit back then. Oh yeah. I was, in fact, when I tried to get on the pro tour, there was one turn, one women's tournament, 128 slots and only three qualifiers from 165 draw. And so then the men, on the other hand, had three, you know, three, you know, professional tournaments to feed into. And that was back then. There was no, um, you know, team tennis, you know, where you, you represent a team and, you know, all over and you play each other. There wasn't even a slot to work up to keep your game. You either fit into this qualifying and if you didn't pre-qualify and you lost the next time, you had to go back to the beginning and start over. So I really, it could have been a little bit different. Um, I was six years uh, of trying to, you know, teach tennis. I went all, I went to Germany. I went to Mexico. Um, I'm from Europe. I'm from the UK. And it got pretty obvious to me that, um, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a tennis pro for the rest of my life. I mean, teaching in a club or something like that. And so I went to graduate school at that point. My other, co my other coworkers or my colleagues, you know, are all kind of stayed in the sport in some way. I mean, Sue is kind of like, <laughs> she's on a platform. I put her on a platform. <laughs> she's quite amazing um, what she's done for tennis in Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I, I just realized it wasn't, you know, that era. Um, I really appreciate the people that have pioneered it and gone before us to be able to make it so that more people can make a living out of it if they want to. Um, I don't know. What's your opinion of where that is like for team tennis, you know, professionally, um, have you seen a, I, I don't follow tennis. I, I'm actually a golfer now. So 
<laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask if you still played any. No, I I injured. I had tore my meniscus, and that was it. And um, I went and I turned. I switched over to golf, um, and I really enjoy it. Uh, it just is an easier sport physically for me. And I, you know, and I do, I'm a regional development um, manager for Mercy Ships. And I, I, this is, you know, I've been doing this 15 years, not with that organization, but other organizations. And, you know, it's nice to be able to get someone out of their office and play golf. And I thought, I need to learn this. And so I took lessons because I always take lessons, whether it's skiing or whatever. It is the hardest sport to convert from tennis to golf. But I, I persevered in three years. I could hold my own. I just wanted to be able to keep the ball in the fairway, <laughs> not be military golf, like right and left. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> hey, that's uh that's an accomplishment. If you can, uh, if you could do that, that's, that's better than most. How about that? If you can, okay. if you can get it to that point. So, uh, but yeah, you're right though. That tennis swing can kind of mess up your golf swing a little bit, doesn't it? Oh my goodness. It just, it was so, I couldn't get it visually in my head how I could do this, but I, I'm, a, I like to practice. So, um, and I've always done that, but even with tennis, I knew that the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. And so I really was really diligent, um, for three years to get to that level played on, you know, some leagues and, Got enough. That's all I wanted. That was my goal is just get proficient enough that I could play with anybody and not feel nervous or feel like I couldn't do it. And so it's, it's been fun. How did you find out you were going in the UTC hall of fame? You know, Sue was in England and she kind of texts me about, did you hear from Jay Blackman? And I said, wow, no, I said, um, so Sue was the one who kind of planted the seed and let me know about it. Um, I, I didn't know much about it. I was really asking a lot. I was asking Jay a lot of questions or no, I think it was your athletic director. He had called me and then, you know, told me, um, that I had gotten it, but Sue had sort of, you know, text me when she was over in England and I was like, okay. And so, um, and maybe it didn't happen that I don't, it's kind of fuzzy. I don't know if Sue told me first or if, if the athletic director told me, but anyways, he called and left a message and I was like, oh, wow. So I wanted to call right back and say, okay, what does this mean? And, you know, it's such an honor. I'm like, could you explain how this happened? And so and then he told me about the committee and then I found out Sue was on the committee. I'm like, okay, <laughs> my sweet friend who we've been friends, you know, off and on we've talked, you know, but you know, for, for me, friends are friends for life. And she was one of them. Um, and I think we have a connection because of the UK. I was born there, but she, she, she was raised there and she has the accent, not anymore, probably, but <laughs> she's a yank now. <laughs> so how many of your former teammates are you still in contact with? Oh, just Sue. In fact, Sue had a, a gathering um, in Tennessee, Chattanooga, and Alice Tim was there, and those that could make it, um, Julie Dunn and Elizabeth Sharp. And um, so there was a gathering, and I can't, it probably wasn't, it probably was probably maybe eight years ago or so. So that was nice uh, to see where everybody was and to reconnect with everybody. But Sue's probably the only one that I've, you know, stayed in touch with, and she stays in touch with me. So what does it mean? What does this honor mean to you to, uh, to be recognized like this? 
it's hard to put into words because, you know, I did work really hard when I was a tennis player all the way up from juniors, all the way up as far as anything I do, I try to um, do my best. And uh, so to have recognition and um, to be appreciated, it, it puts a spotlight on actually an accomplishment that I did maybe didn't see it that way. I just saw it as hard work and, you know, and I, I was actually able to walk away with two national titles, which is, you know, more than a lot of people could say actually was on a full scholarship that in itself, I didn't realize how the value of that, um, the, I didn't have a debt from school. Um, and, you know, I, I, I helped support my nephews and my nieces going through any kind of education because it's so expensive. And I'm like, wow, um, I walked out of UTC with no school debt. And um, I didn't really appreciate that until later on in life. But um, it's a great honor. I Those years were really um, precious to me. I had to stir it all up, though, when I got the award because it it was to me, it seems like a long time ago. Um, but I, I realized that everything in life we do is for preparation of what the calling and the destiny that we have. And even in my development work, I didn't realize that two national titles was kind of a big deal because a lot of times it would come up, um, you know, and so I thought, wow, God's even using that to help me to be able to build relationships with people that I never thought that I would be interested in my two national titles. <laughs> so yeah, I kind of, you know, after I turned and I didn't do tennis anymore, I was like, or a pro tennis, be a pro. Um, I thought that's it. It's over. It's a chapter in my life that's ended and it comes up a lot. And so um, yeah, to, to, it is hard. It has been a little hard to process a little bit. I have to have to say, um, I just I'm very grateful to God that it that it actually happened. It just shows you that nothing in life is is um, everything you do it does matter, um, no matter if it's important or not to anybody else. But it does matter. So, Rosalinda, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, I hope we get a chance to do this again. Thank you so much. Thank you to Rosalinda for giving us the time and uh, really enjoyed talking and getting to know her. Again, Heath Esslinger, he's a guy, if you've been around UTC uh, in recent years, he's certainly a guy that you know and uh, had a tremendous career, both as a student athlete and later coming back as a coach. And he's doing some big things now since he got out of coaching. Heath Esslinger is our guest on Mox on the Mic. Uh Let's start with when it kind of started with you and, and your love affair with, with wrestling. Uh, how old were you when you, you first got into wrestling? Well, I, w- I was a late starter in wrestling. I, I didn't start until the latter part of my sixth grade year, and it was mainly because my older brother had joined the wrestling team at Bradley Junior High School, and he was coming home and putting worse beatings on me than he had the previous 12 years. So for me, it was a little bit a matter of survival. Uh, if I'm going to make it to 18 out of this house, I'm going to have to learn to defend myself. When did you realize, hey, I'm pretty good at this and I can probably do this at the next level? Uh, you know, I think that's a, you know, a lot of people, they ask that question. Well, when did you realize you could do it at the at the next level? I don't know if there was ever a, 
a point in my life, it was never that important in my household. Like we weren't the family that, you know, made a big deal out of grades or athletics. Uh, I think there was a point where I came to this conclusion that I was willing to do a whole lot of work to try to maximize my potential. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant I'd be a decent high school wrestler. I'd be a good high school wrestler. I'd get an opportunity to compete in college. But, you know, I remember at about 15 years old, really discovering for myself just how much work it was going to take and kind of putting my yes on the table to go for it. What led you from, from Bradley central to, to UTC? How did, how did you end up here? Well, I mean, the, the short story is I didn't get a lot of opportunities. I mean, if I'm just being honest, you know, in the sport of wrestling right now, there's only 77 division one opportunities across the country. And so, you know, my options were pretty limited. And so Chattanooga was close to home and they gave me an invitation. So I accepted that invitation and, you know, looking back, it was a great thing, but you know, in the moment it was, Hey, you know, you don't have a lot of options. My other option was a Chattanooga alumni who was the head coach at the Citadel at that time, Tom Herring, who's super involved in the program still um, at Chattanooga was the head coach at the Citadel. So that was really my only other option. Uh, So my options were limited. It turned out well for you. It did turn out well. 120 wins all time at uh, at UTC. Is there one of those 120 that stands out the most for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, all the losses stand out. That's what's unfortunate. <laughs> Not all the wins. But probably my, my, my freshman year, my redshirt freshman year, we wrestled Oklahoma State at home and um, – Obviously, they're coming in as the number one ranked team in the country, and I ended up winning my match in that dual meet, which really kind of catapulted my career forward um, at that time. And so, you know, there's always in every athlete's life, there's this moment that kind of clicks, and then there's this, you know, uh, you know, scenario that clicks, and then all of a sudden you have like a breakthrough competitive uh, opportunity, and that was probably. I was willing to do the work as soon as I walked in the door, but you know, sometimes you don't get those little breakthroughs and I was fortunate. I had a little breakthrough there and it really helped me kind of believe that I was capable of competing. After you finished wrestling, uh, you later would, would come back and would be the head coach here. And we'll get to that coming up in a, in a minute or two, but you also worked uh, at the high school level. Is it hard being a Bradley central guy and coaching at Cleveland? Well, if you were to ask the people in Bradley County, is it hard to be a Bradley Central guy and coach at Cleveland? Everyone would laugh because uh, I'm actually riding over <laughs> with a good buddy of mine who went to high school with me. Who His wife now coaches at Cleveland now, too. She's coaching our volleyball team in the state championship over here. But, uh, you know, it, is it hard? No, it's it's people. It's It's humans. It's investing in kids. Is it intense? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a crosstown rival and um, it, it brings a, a level of intensity that sometimes is not even healthy. But, uh, but I mean, I, I've been fortunate. I've been surrounded by great people in every place I've ever been and tried to use each of those relationships to learn and grow and get better. And so I, I'm grateful for each stop that I've had. 
When did you realize that that coaching was in your future? Was that something you decided while you were a, an undergrad here, or was it something that, that came about later? No, I was always kind of an old soul, even as a kid. And so I think even in high school, I knew I would – I knew this. And I always said this to, to student-athletes when they came to Chattanooga. You know, everyone always asks you, well, what's your major going to be? Well, I – to me, that's the dumbest question ever, because in today's world, your major will change by the time you're a freshman to a senior, because information is just constantly um, on the move right now. But for me, I always knew that I wanted to work with people. And so, you know, my, my story is wild. I've been a high school coach. I've been a Division One head coach. I've also been a student pastor at a church. And so, you know, for me, each of those places were similar because I was trying to make an investment in people. And so I knew coaching would probably be that lane, but I also knew that wherever Heath Esslinger was planted, he was going to try to make a difference in people. Take us back to the, the beginning of the Southern scuffle that has turned into one of, if not the premier event short of the national tournament, it's turned into maybe the pre premier event in collegiate wrestling. You were here. You were a part of a group that got that off the ground. A little bit about where the idea come from and, and just those early days of, of putting it together. Well, really, the idea, the, the person who deserves the most credit for that event is Tom Shiflett, who was the head coach at the University of North Carolina Greensboro. He really had this idea to start the Southern Scuffle. Well, you know, he left coaching and – UNCG ended up dropping their wrestling program. And when they dropped their wrestling program, Jay Blackman and myself went to Rick Hart. You know, I was probably the only guy dumb enough to go for it. But, you know, I started calling other college coaches and saying, hey, if I bring this thing to Chattanooga, will you commit to coming? Rob Cole at Cornell, Brian Smith in Missouri, John Smith at Oklahoma State. And I really got a group of people together to say, if, if this happens, we will commit to it. And, and to be honest, Rick Hart was a little nervous at the time because it's a huge undertaking. Um, but I knew that Chattanooga was a city and I knew that we had a wrestling community that would knock it out of the park. And they've done exactly that. It has very little to do with me. Uh, I was the guy dumb enough to go for it. But there's, I mean, if anyone deserves credit, it's probably Jay Blackman and a uh, a guy named Bud Hannibal, who's an alumni of UTC, uh, they are probably the, the brains behind making that thing really happen year in and year out. What do you think about when you see it today and, and kind of what it's turned into? Well, you know, when I, when I first started thinking about the Southern Scuffle, obviously in coaching, there, there's a lot of measurements in coaching. A lot of them are really shallow and, and wrong and pretty fleeting, but, uh, you know, one of the things I always said is I wanted to do things that would outlive my tenure. And I think the Southern Scuffle is one of those things that, again, it's not me. Jay Blackman, Bud Hannibal, Rick Hart rolling the dice on it. So, you know, Matt Pope when he was here. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people. Mike Royster and Kyle Askew and the crew that gets the arena ready. There's so many people that go in uh, to making that happen. But, uh, you know, I knew it would be something that would – continue to give back to the community way after Heath Esslinger's gone. And so uh, that was super important to me. You mentioned uh, some of the uh, wrestling alums. I have always thought that that was the, um, I, I guess it's probably not the biggest group, but certainly I think it's the most loyal. I think it's the most active group of alumni that we have 
uh, on this campus. How influential and how important was that group to you when you were the head coach? And what does it mean now to you uh, as, a, as an alumnus uh, and the camaraderie that you guys have? Well, listen, Chattanooga Wrestling has been built by the alumni. I mean, it, it has been sustained. It's been cultivated. It's been funded uh, largely in part because of the alumni. And wrestling's a unique sport. If, if you look across the country and you look at uh, Division One programs that have wrestling, and when they have these giving days, wrestling almost always wins because the wrestling community is it's a fighter it's a fighting community i mean we know that we have to fight for what we have and and it's not a very entitled community i hope that never changes i'm very fortunate that you know wrestling's a sport that you got to go earn it there's not a lot of excuses when you're out there toe to toe with another dude that's about the same size as you uh, and now today if it's female wrestling and so i think our alumni deserve so much credit i hope that in the future that we can continue to invest in Chattanooga wrestling. I mean, we have to do some things to take a step forward. I mean, you know, we want to compete with the Oklahomas and the Oklahoma States and the Penn States and things like that. But uh, in the, in the landscape of college athletics right now, that's getting harder, not easier. And so uh, I know that our alumni want to continue to do, and I know that Mark Wharton and, and Jay Blackman and those guys at the university want to continue to help wrestling move forward as well. What led you to go into speaking, which is, you, know, you certainly, you do a lot of speaking engagements now. What led you uh, into that role? Well, I hope it's not just speaking. Uh, I hope it's encouraging. Uh, you know, my wife would maybe argue that I, I just speak too much. But, you know, I, I love encouraging people. I mean, I, I, I really do. I, it's a blessing and a curse that, you know, I, I probably have anxiety over seeing other people do well and, and seeing kids, you know, do things that are beneficial for them. And so, you know, I, I probably give a lot of credit to, to FCA. And, you know, when I was a college athlete, Jay Fowler would call and say, hey, will you come talk to this group of 10 kids? And I'd get ready like I was speaking to 10,000. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, it's, I call it the law of reciprocity. Um, you know, when you, when you give, you a lot of times get back. And so whether I was speaking to a, a little huddle at Hunter Middle School or Baylor High School or, you know, now I get to speak to a, a lot of different people in a lot of different arenas, um, I've tried to always take each one of those super serious and try to do a really good job. So you've worked with kids, you've worked with young adults, uh, you've worked with adults, <clears throat> you get a chance mm -hmm. to, to talk to all those groups now. Do you have a preference? Uh, I, you know, I have a company now, a Better Way Athletics. We actually were just bought out by a company out of Richmond, Virginia. The Esslingers are actually headed to, to Richmond here pretty soon. Uh, Eric Phillips and I, another Chattanooga alum, founded this company that really centers around parent engagement and coaching development in the sport world. And so HVG Core Holdings out of Richmond just acquired our company. They also own a company called Arm Software, which is the leading athletics management software company in all of college athletics. Chattanooga is a client. And so, you know, I'm super passionate about helping parents and coaches on the sport journey because here's what I know. It's hard, man. Like coaching today is hard and parenting is hard. Uh, and if there's any sort of ego involved, it's a disaster. And so, 
we all have egos. I got one. Mine's about the size of Texas, and most people have them. But if we can all recognize it and kind of put our put our ego aside, then we really provide these these gardens where where kids can grow when it comes to the sport journey. And so, you know, my passion at this moment is is definitely parents and coaches and administrators and sport directors. Uh, that that's my focus is, is helping them and, and helping myself navigate this in a healthy way. People want to learn more about a better way athletics. So where can they, where can they find out more? Man, they can go to a better way We provide parent engagement and coaching development to sport organizations all across the country. We, we even have one in Canada now that we're working with. And so some exciting things coming out over the next few months as we've partnered with HBG Core at Arm Software. It's going to be a lot of fun to see the difference we can make uh, in the days ahead. Well, congratulations on going in the Hall of Fame. You mentioned earlier that you hoped that you created something that would, would outlive your legacy. We talked about the Southern Scuffle, but or outlive your tenure, I should say. What do you hope the, the legacy for, for Heath Esslinger is around Chattanooga Athletics? Well, I, I mean, I hope that every coach I've, I've ever worked with would know that, that I valued them as much as I valued me. Uh, one of the, the great privileges of working at, at Chattanooga was getting to know the, the Russ Huesmans and the Will Healy's and the Rusty Wrights and the, the Will Wade's, the Matt McCall's, the John Schulman's and, you know, Travis Filer, his coach. Of, I mean, just Frank Reed. I mean, you know, those are, those are friendships. I mean, that's like being on a team. I mean, we are, I, I'm always, I always take up for coaches in public. Uh, sometimes I call them out in private cause that's what we do now as a company. But, uh, my, my wife will tell you one of my most embarrassing moments was defending Russ Huseman at a game when we lost to Jacksonville state, uh, I think in overtime one year. And, uh, listen, I'm going to defend my buddies cause I know how hard this coaching world is. And so, I hope that my legacy at Chattanooga is this dude was a, he was a team player. Um, I hope my faith is a part of that legacy. I tried to do things well and, and honor Christ and, and what we did as a, as a program there. And so, um, I still got a lot of those friends. I, I talked to Will and Will Healy and Russ Huseman, uh, just this week. And so hopefully, uh, we'll continue to make a difference both at Chattanooga and around the, around the world. Coach, congratulations again and appreciate the time, man. You got it. Thank you so much. Thanks to Coach Esslinger. Thanks to Rosalinda for their time this week. And congratulations to both on being inducted into the UTC Hall of Fame. We've got a few more Hall of Fame conversations. We've already brought you a few. We've got a few more still to come. So looking forward to all of that as uh, you'll be able to hear from, uh, from all of those uh, here on Mox on the Mic. For our producer, Tate Johnson, I'm Chris Goforth. Thanks for being with us this week. We'll talk with you again next week. Don't forget Mox on the Mic every Thursday, wherever you download your podcast from, that's where you can find us. Appreciate your five-star ratings. We'd love to get your reviews if you're on Apple Podcasts but we're on all the major podcast platforms. So uh, appreciate those of you that listen every week. Make sure you tell a friend about Mox on the Mic. Until next time, so long, everybody, and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. And we'll see you again soon.